Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone. Welcome to our uh, uh, long-awaited season preview edition of the Rider Rumblings video podcast. It's so nice after 600-some days to finally have a game to focus in on. Um, and, uh, I hinted last week that we'd have a special guest. Uh, you'll be very pleased to know that the special guest this week isn't my dog. It is Saskatchewan Rough Riders President CEO, Craig Reynolds. Uh, also with us, of course, is the uh, reliable Murray McCormick. Craig, thank you so much for taking the time, especially during such a hectic week to uh, to be with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And it's 628 days. I, I did the math in terms of when the last time we played a, played a, a football game. So really excited about that. Last time you played a game, I think Murray had hair. That's how long it's been. So, (laughs) (laughs) Enough madcap comedy. Uh, Murray, I will defer to you for the first (laughs) questions, and uh, hopefully you can fix this really quickly. Well, Craig, the fact you know how many days there are since the last game kind of provides some answer to this question. But what are your general thoughts on the week before a game day? Yeah, it's it's excitement, to be honest with you. Um, Just really, really excited to to finally be playing football in, in, in front of our, our, our fans and you just missed it so much. And, and I, I think often about, about our fans and, and, you know, you've heard, heard from them throughout the pandemic, just in terms of how much they missed um, CFL football. They missed the, the Rough Riders. They missed being at Mosaic Stadium and to know that on Friday, we're going to get the welcome there and there's going to be a, a, a two teams on the field playing, playing football and our green and white running out of that tunnel. Uh, it's uh, I get goosebumps when I think about it, to be honest with you. What do you think that feeling will be like when the players come out of the tunnel at approximately 7.37 p.m. on Friday? Yeah, I think I think there's going to be a lot of emotion. Um, I know I know it's going to be emotional for me. I, I was actually fairly emotional on just the green and white scrimmage game, and I, I, I had an opportunity to run into several fans, and they had the same exact sentiment. And, and I remember looking out from our from our deck, we got a bit of a vantage point to the South Tail Gate. And when I saw people lined up and I saw them in their rider jerseys and I saw kids and I just sort of saw that experience again. And even just prior to that, there was a buzz around the stadium. And I just think that's that was from first scrimmage. And that was the first time we were able to welcome some fans back. So I, I just think it's going to be really, really emotional. Um, and I just I just keep thinking back to, some moments and, and, and memories, and then you just project forward to, you know, when that music starts and that crowd just rises and, and they always rise. Just it's just going to be so special this time um, because of what we've what we've sort of um, you know had taken away from us. So um, so yeah, I think it's going to be filled with a lot of emotion on Friday night. Craig, why do you think the first game not only sold out but sold out so quickly? Yeah, I, I, I think um, exactly what we're talking about. I, I think, you know, what we've seen is, is events sort of sell, and I think this is going to be going to be an event, and I think people missed it so much, and they just are are, are, are ready for it and, and, and just want to be back at the stadium, and they want to um, see their rider family again, and, and they want to see the team, and they just want to be there for that for that special moment when that, and, you know, and I think the bring them out is going to be that moment. I think when... When that, like I said, when that music starts, I think that's the moment people have been waiting for for 628 days, and I think people just really wanted to be a part of it. And um, we saw it right away. You know, when we went went on sale, it was the first game, and it was it was Labor Day, and 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 the first game was just you know started selling really really quickly, and it, it just you know we every I think our fans are feeling what we're feeling as an organization, just absolute excitement to to finally be be back on the field. Why do you think sales aren't as brisk for games two and three? 
Yeah, I, I think there's there's lots of reasons. I think um, you know three games in a row is, is tough. Um, three games in a row in in August and in sort of the last bits of summer are are, are tough. They are selling reasonably reasonably well. But you know it's it's interesting what's happened with uh, you know consumer consumer trends. Um, we sell a remarkable amount on game day, um, or not game day, sorry, the game week of the game and, and game day, but um, way more than than what we used to see. So you know even even five six seven years ago, you go you go on sale uh, for single game tickets, and that first day would would there'd be tons of tickets uh, sold. Nowadays, yeah, we certainly sell a lot of tickets on on the day that um, um, game the games go on sale, but in the lead up to the the game, the week of, we'll, we'll sell three thousand, four thousand, five thousand tickets some sometimes, and and people just wait nowadays. And I think it's a bit of a generational thing. I think uh, uh, the younger generation, in particular millennials, tend to tend to wait, and there becomes this sort of buzz and excitement, and then and then they um, and then they they they, they buy. So. So yeah, you know, I think once we had the sellout, announced the sellout, uh, I think it was last Friday on on the opening game, we did see over the weekend uh, sales pick up substantially for those next two games. But it is tough asking our fans, and and you guys know, 50% of our fans come from outside of Regina, and to to make that 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 trek uh, to Mosaic, uh, three straight weekends, um, you know, in the summer is is is, is can be tough. Do you anticipate that all season ticket holders will show up or is there might be some weariness due to COVID? And as an appendage to that question, I saw on Twitter the other day where somebody said that they had made some of those concerns known to the organization and that some accommodations were made as far as a refund or a possible deferral. Yeah, so we, so we right away, uh, Rob, when we went um, out for renewals this, this year, we came up with something we called our season ticket holder promise, not knowing what, what was going to transpire with with COVID, how many fans we would be ultimately allowed, what the situation might be. And that, that promise, that statistical promise basically sort of said, if you're uncomfortable for whatever reason, any reason, whether it's you, you feel a little bit of concern, you, you just want to wait out the first couple of games and, and see see what it's like. Um, if you have health conditions, if, if, you, if obviously if you're feeling unwell, we, we encourage you not to come come to the game. That um, you know we would hold your hold your season tickets um, and they'd be yours. You wouldn't lose seniority, those types of things. And and we we credit you for next year. And ultimately, if they wanted a, a refund, we we would work with them around that. So so we have had a number of, of season ticket holders take us up on that. And I think that's I think that's normal. And it, it was to be expected. To be honest with you, we've been um, living in this pandemic for a long time now, as we all are well too well aware. And it's it's tough. It's tough to go sometimes from for some folks to go from you know, groups of 10 to 150 to 250 to to what will be 30,000 plus at, at at the stadium. And I think as the restrictions have relaxed a little bit, people's comfort level might have increased uh, a, a little bit. But I think you'll see a lot of fans still wearing masks. Um, but we have had a lot of fans who have said, you know what, I'm just waiting this out. Um, I just I just want to wait wait and see. I'm just not comfortable right now. And we've had other fans who sort of said, you know what, I'm just going to sit out 2021. And I'll be back in 2022, and we completely respect that. Um, like I said, we kind of expected that, and that's why we came up with the sort of the season to go promise that I, I mentioned. Hey Craig, how important was a sellout for for Game One from a financial perspective of the team? Yeah, I think it's it's really important. You know, obviously, you know, we we talked a lot about the finance finances of the team, and, and our season tickles have been have been fantastic, keeping their money 
uh, with with the club, and that's really what got us through 2020. Um, but the reality is, um, with um, out capacity restrictions and you know a large season ticket base above 22,000, those additional game days day sales that that we've been able to get are our actual cash flow into the club because. The reality is the season ticket holding money uh, was received in, in, for the most part in 2020 or in the lead up to 2020. And unfortunately, you know, just to get through the pandemic has largely been spent. So so the season ticket or the single game ticket money rather is um, is cash flow. And right now cash flow is really, really important to us because obviously when you put on a, a game, that's when your expenditures really, really start in earnest. And, and obviously you got to pay the players and and but you got you got all the game day production and costs uh, that come with putting on a game. So so really important, right? Is that buying you some sorry, Mer, um I mean, you said at some point that you might have to dig into the $7.6 million contingency fund. Has that infusion of cash uh, kind of put off the necessity or just perhaps eliminated the necessity of having to do that? Yeah, it won't eliminate it, but it will. It is delaying it. So, so when we get, um, you know, obviously good game day sales, which we did for the first game, and, and we're seeing increased sales for the for the next two games. Obviously, Labor Day is really close to a to a sellout. So that cash flow just just helps, right? It helps to pay for more of a percentage, a greater percentage of of the game day costs we're incurring. But the reality is, uh, you know, as as you're incurring the game day costs, um, and again with the majority of our of our ticket base, uh, us have our, having already received the, that that cash, we will start to, to dip into those savings funds, but it's just delayed it a little bit. So previously, where we thought it was maybe early September, and now it might be pushed out to late September or early October. So the longer we can do that, uh, obviously, uh, the better it is for the organization. Sorry, I'm on mute. Okay. You said it was going to take two or three years to recover from, from COVID-19 and all sorts. Has that position changed at all, or that's still going to be still the, the projection? No, it, it still is, because uh, the reality is as great as it is to, to have, uh, you know, a, a full crowd and, and a full stadium, um, we did lose three games. Um, and so and, and so obviously we'll be crediting our season ticket holders for those three games. So, so obviously that will, will carry on over into 2022. And so therefore 2022 will be impacted from a cash flow perspective, really from what, what, what happened in 2020. So it's, it's really three years on that we'll be feeling that, that, that impact. So, so we'll be likely be out of that by 2023, um, but uh, next year we'll, we'll have some impacts as, as well, unfortunately. Is, is a wild card in the equation a possible support from the provincial government, or are you factoring in sort of an anticipated uh, uh, infusion of revenue from that uh, from that source? No, we, we certainly aren't factoring th- uh, that that in, but we have you know kept kept the province up to date with with our financial situation, um, and we've we've had some discussions uh, with them. Um, you know, obviously that that is one potential uh, source of, of, of funding because the the reality is we still have a, a funding uh, shortfall, and so so we we've really been forced to to look at all options, and that includes you know commercial debt. Uh, you know, we're looking at at the options that were available. So there were some programs through COVID that that uh, one of one of them is the highly affected sectors um, sector credit program, and so we've um, we've we've done some work there in terms of potentially uh, taking on some some debt. Um, to see us through that. Obviously, we launched our Believers uh, Wall campaign, which was, uh, you know, a fundraising exercise with our fans who have been so fantastic uh, for us through through this. There's been great corporate support. Next Gen came on right away as the corporate 
um, you know, uh, sponsor of that of that program. But yeah, we've had some discussions with the provincial government because at the end of the day, being a community-owned team, uh, when you have a funding shortfall, uh, there's only limited uh, options available to you. Are you optimistic that you will get that, considering that a precedent has been set, at least arguably, because they helped out the uh, five Saskatchewan-based WHL teams plus the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, and uh, th- those are predominantly uh, community-owned teams, as are, as are you. Yeah, and I think that's that's some of the discussions we've, we've, we've had. It's just, just you know, explaining to, to the government uh, our, our situation and, and really the steps that we've done to try to try to manage this, this crisis the, the best we can. And we've talked a lot about that, especially around the AGM, around, you know, just in terms of cost savings and, and, and really eliminating discretionary spend, the, the resourcing um, adjustments that, that, that we've made and, and continued into 2020, to be honest with you. Um, or into 2021, pardon me. Um, so, so yeah. So, you know, it's it's just just a bit about articulating what what we've done and 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 why why we're in the situation we are. But certainly, there there has been some level of precedent uh, there. And like you you mentioned, Rob, a lot of those are in the same situation we are. I um, mean, the lost a season, a community-owned team, and, and limited options. I was muted. Um- Rob, you asked him this question about the team stance on vaccination. Okay. Uh, <laughs> your, your stance, and, and maybe this is more of a government stance than a team stance, but uh, uh, there's a, obviously different philosophies in, in Saskatchewan and Manitoba regarding whether fans should be, uh, whether, whether there should be proof of vaccination for fans to enter the, the stadium. Why is the philosophy here different from that in Winnipeg or in Manitoba? Yeah, a couple of reasons. And, and you know, obviously... Uh, we've, we've heard from our fans on, on both sides of this issue, as you do with <laughs> most things in, in, in Rider Nation. Um, so, so, and, and therein lies a bit of a bit of a challenge uh, for, for sure. And, and let me just start by saying, you know, I, I understand and respect both sides of the argument. Obviously, uh, we've been encouraging folks to get vaccinated. Um, that's the path out of this pandemic. Uh, we've been fairly fairly vocal about encouraging um, people to, to get vaccinated. There will be a vaccination clinic outside um, the mosaic on on Friday night. So we hope uh, others take the opportunity to, to get vaccinated there. But, you know, I, I think when you when you sort of start down this road from the pandemic perspective, we, we had to make some decisions early on in terms of how were we going to approach things just in general, uh, in terms of how we're going to manage the organization through through the pandemic. And, and we just made a decision early on that we were going to follow um, the advice, the guidance, the, the rules, the procedures that that our um, you know our provincial health um, bodies were 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 going to um, you know either either um, have as, as rules and restrictions or or as guidance. And and so we've we've just been consistent with that from from day one. So when when they they recommended that that everybody work from home that that could uh, we immediately started working from from home as an organization and we didn't really alter from that until um you know it was suggested that that those those rules could be relaxed when obviously when the masking rules were in place um you know we followed followed those rules and, and those guidelines so at the end of the day you know um, that was our approach is we were going to follow the experts we're, we're not experts in, in this uh, by by any stretch and and we just sort of decided we we're going to we we're going to follow follow their, their their lead and we've had multiple conversations with them around around this 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 issue and it's just uh, you know, we just haven't received received that, that that guidance. You know, in Manitoba, it's a little bit of a different situation. So that that is the public health order. So the, the public health order is 
uh, requirement that in order for fans to attend um, a large gatherings so that they need to show proof of vaccination. So, so the bombers are are following following that, and and if that was the rule here, we would we were to find a way to 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 follow that guidance as well. So, so it's just a little bit of you know. How, from early on, how are we going to approach this? And we just decided we were going to follow the, the guidance. And we obviously have a great opportunity and, and great relationship with, with SAS Health and have been able to meet with them uh, weekly, really, um, over the last several, several months. And so, so that's just been our approach. Tell me Chris. if I'm overthinking this, but would it be difficult for you to, for lack of a better term, go outlaw and, and impose, uh, say, conditions that would be more stringent than are suggested by the health experts or the provincial government considering the fact that you're currently in negotiations with the provincial government in the hope of accessing some funding. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think that, that, that weighs into it. You know, obviously there are complexities if you go down, down that road. And I think you guys are, are well aware of them from a privacy perspective, from a human rights perspective. You know, you have children who, who aren't able to get, to get the vaccine right now. So how do you, how do you deal, deal with, with, with that, you have people who only have a single dose and, you know, the, the time requirement. So, and then obviously just proving all of, all of, all of that and, and going down that and really restricts, restricts a lot of, a lot of things from, you know, people being able to, 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 um, you know, um, um, distribute their tickets or, or somebody else come, come to the game. So anyways, there's a lot, there's a lot to it. Um, but again, we would have found a way had, had that been the guidance, but, you know, like I said, you just have to sort of, determine how are you going to handle this pandemic and again not being experts we just sort of said we're going to rely on 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 experts and and that's what we've we've done you know we've done that with the cfl medical plan as well we've we've relied on the experts to 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 guide guide that and i think that's what you're seeing across the country to be honest with you um you know the teams are following health health guidance and you know in some some uh, provinces um, there's restricted capacity and and uh, requirements to wear masks and I think that's what you'll see at the at the, at the games. Other provinces like like ours in Alberta, um, you, you see uh, restrictions that are a little bit different and, and and the teams are generally following those those guide those guidelines. I wrote last week uh, flippantly, perhaps facetiously, that uh, sunflower seeds, peanuts, blowhorns, etc., are forbidden from the stadium. You can take you can't take those in, but you can bring in theoretically COVID-19. Is there a contradiction there? Yeah, you know, I, I guess you could you could look at it that way. You know, the way we looked at it, and again, working with the health authorities is, is um, so so understanding the restrictions as, as they are, what are what are some things that could help to reduce risk of, of transmission? And and so that's what we really worked with, with them on. Um, so, you know, sunflower seeds, as, as much as it sort of seems like a trivial Type thing. There's a lot of, of things that we've been told not to do through this pandemic that are involved in that. Obviously, blow horns as well. You know, you're in an outdoor stadium, which which helps from a health and safety perspective from from the get go. But when you're when you're sort of blowing into a a, a horn, you're you're introducing risk risk to the to the equation. So so that's really just how how we how we approach that is is. So knowing what the health restrictions are or aren't in, in, in certain cases, how do we how do we uh, continue to, to reduce uh, risk of some things that just are 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 easier are easy to, to, to do and are just you know again reducing reducing risk. Mark, sorry for hogging the question. Sorry, sorry. Hey, Craig, the league conducted over six thousand COVID tests, only came back with ten positives, a couple of some false positives. Uh, sorry. Why do you think that number was so low, and how encouraged are you by seeing that number, those numbers? 
Yeah, yeah, very encouraged. Obviously, um, you know, that is the big risk of the season is having COVID enter into our locker room. So so the reason why is, is I think the, the health and, and medical plan, and, and we heard that from when we talked to the NFL um, and, and worked with the other major sports leagues in terms of designing um, our health and safety plan, uh, our, our medical plan, um, they said consistently um, teams that followed the rules and followed the medical plan did not have issues with, with COVID because the rules worked. And I think that's what, what you saw um, with, with, with the testing. And most of those cases um, were, were, were caught before, before the individuals actually traveled to, to Canada uh, or to the teams, as the case, case may be. And so the, you know, the quarantine at home, um, you know, the, obviously the quarantine during training camp, camp um, and, the, and the rules and, and the procedures that are, are in place are, are doing a really good job of keeping COVID out of our locker rooms. Why do you think it is, Craig? I mean, the, uh, um, this is probably a more complex question than time allows for, but uh, in, the, in the NFL, they've introduced a tiered system uh, that uh, makes it pretty challenging for players uh, to live day-to-day lives if they aren't vaccinated. Uh, that hasn't been the, the stance in the CFL. It might be a players association issue. I'm not sure. Uh, Brandon Labatt pointed to the restrictions and, and, and cited the lack of a two-tier system as at least contributing to his decision. Why do you think it's different you know, just fundamentally in the NFL as opposed to CFL with regard to the, the attitude toward vaccinated players? Yeah, you know, I, I think there's lots of lots of uh, reasons probably for that. That Rob, you know, I think from the CFL's um, perspective, you know, we are working on on um, looking at um, you know what what are the rules around around vaccinated players versus unvaccinated players. So, you know, the reality was, you know, in terms of um, making sure we could get the season started, we we had to and, and wanted to go with the most restrictive rules we possibly could, based on where. Um, the health guidance was really across the country. You had to go to, you know, it's sort of lowest common denominator if you want to refer to that, but, but where the rules were the most restrictive and, and, and where in our jurisdictions, um, um, yeah, the most restrictive rules were in, were in place. And so that's how we designed the medical plan um, to, to start the season. You know, as vaccination rates rise and as we understand more and as we have uh, more conversations and dialogue with the NFL, as our medical plan, um, uh, our, our medical doctors have an opportunity to talk to um, provincial health authorities more and more around around this issue. Uh, we're seeing um, opportunities to, to probably have a more of a two-tiered system. And so, but the reality is, we had to have a set of rules. We had to get the season underway, and, and we wanted them to be very restrictive so we could start start the season. And, and as Murray mentioned around the testing, we've had some really really good results. Now it's around. You know, should we, can we be relaxing the rules for, for vaccinated players versus unvaccinated players? And then how do we do that and when do we do that? So I think you're going to see more guidance come out on that soon because, again, um, when it makes sense, when it's prudent, um, we, should, we should be doing that because the rules, um, as I mentioned, are quite restrictive. Craig, you have the Great Cup Festival coming up. How do you plan for a Great Cup in 2022 knowing the Delta variants there? there I'm not an expert, but it appears there may be other variants coming. How do you deal with that uncertainty? Yeah, the, the reality is a, a lot of wait and see, Marie, to, if I'm being completely honest. We have um, done such a great job. We were, we were, I would say, way ahead of the game in terms of our planning for 2020. Um, we have that, right? We, we, we know uh, we have a, a, an almost fully planned out uh, Grey Cup festival. And so now it's just a matter of waiting and see around, around what might have to be changed. And then obviously we need to wait and see what happens in Hamilton and, and, 
and what, what we can learn from, from their Grey Cup Festival. What is different about their Grey Cup Festival? What worked about their Grey Cup Festival that we might want to do and, and, and change for 2022? So the reality is we just have sort of paused planning right right now. We've got a great volunteer host committee. Um, they're they're ready to go, but the reality is we just we just need to wait and see. We need to wait and see about sort of where where this pandemic uh, uh, goes. We need to wait and see in terms of what what happens in in, in Hamilton and 2022. As much as um, you know, some days I I, I uh, lay awake at night and think it's going to be here before we know it. Um, we also know there's there's a fair bit of time, and we 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 plan that festival. Um, pretty pretty extensively already, so we can pick this up in 2022, and I'm not worried at all about um, our ability to execute on it. Craig, I'm going to ask you, it's kind of hard with hindsight to do this, but where we are now with the season, does this see if I'll make the right decision in 2020 to cancel this season? That's a hard question to, to answer, Murray. Um, you know, obviously, Hindsight is it's a lot easier looking looking back, and you sort of say, given given the state of affairs and given the financial challenges that might have happened uh, with trying to execute a season, um, you could sort of say, well, you know what, maybe that was a, that was a good choice because uh, we're 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 ready to to go in 2021. But you know there there was you know damage done obviously by by losing losing a, a season, and 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 I think there, there's no secret around that. There's also no secret that we were very uh keen to to want to play that 2020 season um so it's it's, it's really hard it's, it's next to impossible to first say was that the right decision um you know who knows what would happen we could have executed that season in a, in a bubble and it could have could have went off without a hitch um there could have been issues um we just just don't know what we do know is that there's football well thursday actually and then friday um what's been the key to getting to this point and was there ever a time when you just wondered if that was possible considering how prevalent COVID was during the winter and you lost the season what was the key to pulling it off and 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 was there ever an even a scintilla of doubt that this was doable yeah I I I think you know you'd be lying if you didn't sort of say there there was doubt at certain times right um it was a it was a roller coaster ride really because you You'd, you'd be waiting, you'd, you'd hear good news or you'd see case counts drop and, and you'd be really excited and, and optimistic. And then you'd, you'd sort of read or hear about a, a variant that was, you know, more contagious. And then you, you know, you'd, you'd start to be concerned around, could we, could we pull this off? So obviously vaccinations were key, right? Once, uh, once the vaccination program uh, started and, and, and really, um, you know, started picking up um, the, the pace of vaccinations um, and you saw the case counts drop and you saw the hospitalization numbers drop and you, and you saw the provincial governments and, and the health authorities uh, want to engage a, a bit in the conversation around, uh, you know, what does it look like to, to have, uh, to host, host our games. And so, so really it was just timing. Uh, we needed to, 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 to wait till we had sort of every jurisdiction where they were open to those conversations around hosting fans, because that was critical. Uh, it would have been very, very challenging um, for us to, to play a season without hosting fans. Uh, we sort of said that from, from day one. But as you kind of got into um, April, you started to sort of see um, uh, the numbers drop really across the, the, the country as vaccination uh, rates, rates rose. So I think there was a um, really strong understanding at the CFL level that we need to play football this year. And there was a great commitment uh, across uh, the league that we need to play and find a way to play. And when, when the vaccination rate started to rise and, and case counts started to decline, and we started to hear positive news about potential posting fans, 
um, you know, I think we all felt pretty com- comfortable about an August, uh, what turned out to be an August 5th start date, that that was realistic, and it turns out it was. And um, and here we are, and, it, it, you know, it's when we made that announcement, it seemed like a long way away, and then and then uh, because you had to scramble and, and, and every team had to, had to do a, a tremendous amount of uh, work to, to get us here, um, but we're finally here and we're excited about it. What would you like to say about just all the people who have sort of stepped up? I mean, people have had to adjust to protocols, and you've had to enlist people like, you know, at the University of Virginia and all, all sorts of different, you know, uh, individuals and companies that probably once upon a time never would have even been under consideration as far as being so fundamental to beginning a season. Are there any people who, or groups who deserve special shout-outs for allowing this plan that had no precedent to uh, succeed as, as terrifically as it has? Yeah, the, the list is long, Rob, and, and thanks for that, that question because, yeah, you certainly do want to highlight a number of people. And, you know, first and foremost, um, you know, our fans, they've just been so supportive of, of us from, from, from day one, um, you know, whether it be financial or whether it just be message, messages of encouragement and, and sort of, you know, they, they, they drove us through this process that we knew we needed to get back on the field and we needed to welcome as many of them as we could into Mosaic Stadium um, because we knew how much they missed it. But our players and coaches do, deserve a tremendous amount of credit um, for uh, following the protocols, uh, for buying into following the protocols and being really, really committed to that because they are they are quite restrictive um, and they, they are challenging. And, and it is a period of your life where you're going to, you know, live a little bit, little bit differently and, uh, and a little bit re- more restrictive. You mentioned the U of R. Um, they've been fantastic, just in terms of how they've supported the protocols. Um, you know, um, uh, you know, adjust, adjusted because again, we were we were unsure as when we were were going to start. And a ton of people um, moved moved a ton of things and, and 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 made adjustments for us. So we were we were able to to make make this happen. You know, um, our testing partner Haztec. Um, you know, they stepped up right again again right away when we needed a local testing partner to to um, to do all the COVID-19 testing. Our staff have been tremendous. Um, you know, we're, we're under-resourced, um, but there was just absolute excitement around hosting a game and, and our, our staff just, you know, p- people are doing things they've never done before and just pitching in in areas that they, they've, never, uh, they've never done and, and are just excited to do what they can to, to welcome our fans uh, back at Mosaic. So, so, yeah, there's just been a tremendous number of people that have, have really, really supportive and yeah, I could go on and on, but um, yeah, those are some that just come come to come to mind. Craig, one of the the new things we've seen is the introduction of NFL style injury reports, and you've been around the CFL and you've heard us complain that one of the biggest lies are injury reports. Is what do you think of that? Is that the CFL moving? Is that because of single game betting and is that kind of transparency we can expect? And also the other one here: Are there any penalties for teams that may not be so forthcoming with their injuries? Yeah, I'm I'm really excited about that, Murray. That's been a long time coming, uh, and I'm really glad we did that. And again, that was one of the things that, you know a lot of the um, you know it, it was frustrating to lose 2020 uh, for sure. But there were a lot of things as a, as a league we were able and, and as an organization we were able to, to look at and and and, and really address. Um, and and this is this is one of them. Um, to me, it's 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 about professionalism and and transparency. And I think there is a a level of professionalism when you're sort of being very very transparent about about what's um, what's going on with your team uh, as it relates to, to, to injuries I think our fans deserve to know that they deserve to know um, what what players might be available it helps with storylines uh, when you know who's going to play and and, 
and who's who's likely not, not to play. Obviously, there is you know the fantasy uh, football component to it too. If we're truly going to embrace fantasy football um, and, and 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 those types of games, you need to be very transparent with with injuries because the, the folks that are very uh, uh, keen and very interested in that, and I, I would consider myself uh, uh, one of those those folks. I play a lot of uh, fantasy football um, in the NFL. Uh, you know, I, I live and die by those by those injury reports. Um, and, and it's a very important part of it. And then obviously you did mention single game betting, and that's an element too. It, you know, uh, w- when you are moving towards the legalization of single game betting, um, those that are going to engage and, and bet on a game deserve to know who's likely to play because it affects lines. It affects it affects whether or not you feel confident about a, about a team, and, and um, so that level of transparency is important. And, and yeah, there's certain rules and, and regulations around. Around the, the reporting, and you know that's more of a CFL question, but but yeah, no, there's uh, there's certainly rules and regulations. I didn't realize you're a fantasy football guy. Maybe you're a big push behind this because it's injuries are so yeah, no, I, world. They they are yeah yeah no I I I have got a 17 year uh, uh, <laughs> fantasy football league with with friends from university if you can believe that. So uh, so yeah, we've been doing it for for a long time, and like I said, during NFL season, I'm. I'm uh, checking the injury report. So it is a big part of it. We've been talking about for years for embracing fantasy football. And if you want to do that, this is this is one of the things you need to do as a league. Craig, how long do you think it could be before the impact, the positive impact of single game betting is felt? It's been approved, but it's still it's in an embryonic stage and nobody's really quite sure how it's going to be rolled out. And But yet at the same time, there's sort of a uh, almost an infinite amount of money that could be derived from this if done right. Where's it at and where could you see it going? Yeah, I think I think you're going to really see the impact from a from a league perspective and team perspective in in 2022. Um, you know, there there will be some some positive impacts uh, this this year, but you're you're right. It's just been you know uh, uh, passed the royal assent here, and then each uh, province um, you know needs to determine their 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 how they're going to regulate it. And I think that's what's happening right now. The provinces that now that they 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 understand it's it's law are are going through the processes. To regulate, how are they going to regulate it? Um, what's the, what's their approach? And, and each province is, is different. Is one thing we've 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 learned: Saskatchewan is going to be different than Ontario, and BC is going to be different than Ontario, and Alberta could be different. So, so there's a bunch of differences. So I think everybody's just kind of working through that process, and I think you'll see that process carry on for probably the rest of 2021. But I think by 2022, you're going to start to see some some impacts um, to to each of the, each of the teams in, the, in our league. Craig, one of the things that happened prior to the season was four guys tore Achilles tendons prior to the season starting. Another guy tore, Tim Williams tore his. There's another five across the league. And I know, is there any plans by the league to look into why these so many ten guys tore Achilles tendons or the referees to look at what happened? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the league and the PA um, were uh, open and transparent that they were looking into um, the um, the um, pre, I'll call it pre-training camp, camp injuries during during the workout, workout period. And so, you know, I would defer to the, to the, to the league around around um, that. Um, but, you know, the reality is, yeah, they're, they're, we saw this a little bit, um, you know, as I read an interesting study, you saw this a little bit um when the NFL lost, I think it was a lockout year or something. So there, unfortunately, there were some more longer-term term injuries, and, and we've just been really unfortunate. We, we saw, uh, you know, a, a couple, you know, Achilles tears obviously in the in the pre pre training camp workouts, and then we saw, we had another one during training camp, and we had two ACLs as as, as well. Um, you know, other teams had got hit by by the injury 
bug, bug as well. And then other teams had, had sort of lingering soft, soft tissue issues and, and we didn't see a ton of, ton of those. So, so it's, 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 it's hard to know, um, you know, did the layoff cause issues? What, what was the, what was the root, root cause there? It's just, just really unfortunate that, um, you know, that there were, there were a number of injuries, um, and, you know, start to start the year off. I've been dying to ask this question. It might be a bit old, but uh, I'm not sure you've been asked for your thoughts on the XFL uh, since the announcement was made that uh, this is no longer, the talks have been dissolved. Uh, the Edmonton Elks quite famously said on a press release or a media release uh, voicing some degree of merriment uh, over the fact that those talks have concluded. What were, what was the, what was the Rough Riders organization's sentiments on, on those talks? Is it a, is it a positive Thing that they are no longer going on as Edmonton would seem to think? No, I, I, I wouldn't suggest um, that. You know, I, I think much like anything, I think our organization's always always open to, to new ideas and, and exploring opportunities. And I think that's what this XFL, the, the XFL discussions were, were, were exploring opportunities. I think from my perspective, I, I was involved in, in several of the, the committees that, that had you know, various levels of conversations around various topics, whether it be marketing, single game betting was one of those. And, and I'll be honest with you, I, I learned a lot um, through that. Uh, I think we as a league learned a lot through that. And I, and, and I think if you ask the XFL, they would probably say, say they learned a lot through those discussions. So, so they weren't wasted efforts by, by any stretch. Um, and, um, you know, and I think that was, you know, the rough riders were, I think we were open to just having those, those discussions and, and, and learning and, and, and um, you know, again, trying to get better, better as a as a business. And I think um, when you don't, uh, when you're not open to those types of discussions, you're just you're just sort of closing a door that that might allow you to to um, to get better as an organization. Why do you think it was that those talks ultimately did not lead to something uh, more long lasting? Yeah, it's it's, it's hard to say. Um, it, it it really is. Um, you know. I think, like I said, I think they were they were good. Um, they were good for, for for both both sides to 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 explore and to, to have some some high level discussions. And it's hard to say. I can't speak for for the XFL around what what impacted them. And and you know, from the CFL perspective, is again, um, we we approached it I think in the right way. And that's just how can we grow the game of football and how can we ha how can we learn from each other? Are there ways where we could collaborate um, in certain areas? And, and you determine that. You know, at this time, it probably was best for us to just to carry on with our business, and and um, both both sides have gone through and, and and learned something, and probably better for having uh, gone through the process. Oh, I think we're just about done, are we, Rob? Um, Craig, I just like to open the uh, kind of give you the floor in case in case you've thought of anybody else that uh, <laughs> that you didn't uh, command earlier when I, when I asked that question. Uh, is there anything we haven't asked about uh, that you would like to bring up, or are there any further kudos uh, that you would like to uh, dispense? Uh, you've uh, you've got six minutes before our time is up. If you'd like to uh, <laughs> use all of it for a filibuster or a very impassioned thank you or, or whatever, however you'd like to use that time. Well, I appreciate that. And whenever you you're asked to give kudos, inevitably you forget you forget a lot a lot of, a lot of people. So so I, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, um, and there's so many people to, to thank. So, um, but you know, it, again, I just go back to our to our our, our fans, and, and I sent a note when the game sold out um, on Friday to our to our staff, and I just said, you know, we we talk about this 
often we talk about you know how much our fans mean to the organization and and, and how much this game means to them but then you you just sort of see those tangible um you know examples of it and and again i had that um, experience at the at the green and white when you just talk to fans and you sort of see <laughs> see they're just their love of, of, of the game and, and the love of, of our team and just how much they, they missed this. And, and, and it was taken away from us uh, through no fault of, of, of anybody's. And I think sometimes when you have something taken away from you, you, you appreciate a little bit a little bit more too. And I know just from myself um, and, and I think from organization, uh, we'll never take another game day uh, for, for, for granted. Um, um, so, you know, I am, I'm so looking forward to Friday. Um, I'm just, I don't think I'll be able to sleep Thursday night. I really don't. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be, obviously be tuned into that, uh, the Winnipeg-Hamilton uh, game. Um, I expect them to have a great crowd. It's just, you know, when that ball kicks off, and, and, and again, I think it goes back to, you know, uh, I won't ever take a kickoff in the CFL uh, for granted. I won't take a, a bring them out uh, for, for granted ever again. Um, and I just can't wait to share that with our fans. I know our players can't wait to to come out when when you know I know Coach uh, Coach Craig told them uh, that the game was sold out and and they were they were buzzing because I think uh, you know everybody's looking forward to 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 that to that tunnel. So I can't thank our fans enough. I can't can't thank our sponsors enough. Um, they've been behind us uh, this this whole way, um, and I'm looking forward to um, having Ryder football at Mosaic Stadium on Friday night. It's going to be special. Great. Craig, I'm just curious, like, how do you find out that the game is sold out? Is there a bell that goes off, or is there some sort of ding moment? And if so, once that word starts to circulate around the office, like, this is sold out, what is that moment like when you've dealt with so many things that have been headache-inducing? This isn't the other end of the spectrum. There's that final ticket or two or three that, that puts you over the top. What was that moment like? What was it like around the office at that time? That must have been amazing. Yeah, it, it really was. You know, obviously we, we we track it daily, hourly, hourly sometimes, and you sort of see that you were training. We quickly saw we were training towards towards that that sellout. Um, and then when you get sort of that that word that really there's there's just a few singles singles left. Um, that's a special moment. And and like I said, I sent out a note to to our entire staff because it just it just was one of those again. Um, moments where you recognize how much this means to the province and knowing that there's going to be a packed house there and you're already excited for the game, but just knowing that, um, you know, that roar again, I go back to that, bring them out. And I just, I've envisioned it in my mind so many times. I'm not sure where I'll be because I, I, I'm off. I used to be on the field, but I'm not, I'm not allowed on the field anymore. So I got to figure out where I'm going to be for that bring out <laughs> moment. And I'm probably going to take a little wander around the stadium and sort of say, I want to be here um, to, to just sort of feel that rush of the crowd. There's, there's really nothing like that feeling when that crowd rises, when the music starts and you just feel that energy. And I just, I don't know how our players going to react, how we're going to keep them in the tunnel. That'll be a, that'll be a logistical challenge because they're going to be wanting to, to, to run out. But I just, I just, I want to sort of see see it all. I want to see the emotion on our, on our fans' faces and and just experience it. Experience it as a fan um, because it's just going to be that that you know we're we're back moment um, that we've we just wanted for so so long. And um, yeah, so it's pretty special when you when you, when we got that that word that it was sold out. And I know there was there was a huge energy in the in in, in our office. And there's a there's a buzz in our office this this week, right? Because again, when you go. You know, everybody's dealing with this um, from a fan perspective. We haven't watched in 628 days, and the players haven't played 628 days. 
and our, our team hasn't put on a game in 628 days. So there's there's excitement and 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 um, yeah, people are people are fired up. Well, my dog was so excited she decided to make her predictable cameo and started licking my face. So that's the kind of uh, buzz <laughs> that uh, even animals and beasts are pumped over Friday. Um, so are we, Mur? Uh, Mur, is there anything else you'd like to say? Mur, anything like to say in closing before we let Craig get on with his? Uh, Otherwise productive and enjoyable day. <laughs> I want to thank Craig for doing this. This is pretty heavy stuff we approach to. It seems in the world of sports, it's become a lot, a lot of things you talk about variants and COVID and things. And it's, it's just a whole other world. And I really appreciate you kind of taking us behind the scenes and uh, letting us know your thoughts. And thank you for this. So, uh, and hopefully our next conversations are more about the writer's record and, and other more upbeat things than uh, the reality that's which sort of become our lives right now. So thank you very much. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. Thanks for having me, and thanks for for all you do in terms of covering covering the team and, and letting Rider Nation know the comings and goings of of, of, the, of the team. And yeah, I, I'm looking forward to getting that first game, talking about football. It was so exciting when we had training camp, just being able to talk about position battles and and just the, the first time I saw the team um, out on the field. That 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 was an emotional moment because we've been talking, like I said, Mary, about variants and and uh, health restrictions and, 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 and protocols and, and those types of things. So to actually see live football players competing in live football drills was something special. And to actually see a, a game at Sold Out Mosaic on Friday is going to be uh, a whole other level. So thank you guys for the opportunity. I'd like to reiter- reiterate those thanks. Thanks so much, Craig. We really appreciate your time and all your courtesy. And uh, We'll do this again next week when the dog is the special guest again. So we can't spoil you that this routinely. <laughs> Craig, thanks again, and uh, best of luck this season. I hope it's enjoyable for all concerned. we got to do our ending. Thanks so much, guys. I can't remember that one. <laughs> we'll go without it this time. Yeah. Craig Reynolds, Murray McCormick, Candy, I'm Rob. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you uh, next week. Take care.